You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, happy holidays, everyone. David Hall. Hello. Greg Hectus. Hi, everybody. And Tony Groves. Happy New Year's, gentlemen. And special guest, Isaac Gann. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, welcome. So on today's show, welcome back to the iRacers Lounge podcast. We hope you all had a happy and safe holiday. This week, we bring you the special guest, the Pro Series champion, Isaac Gann. We'll debate, should there be fixed setup in the Pro Series? That and many more iRacing topics and reviews you've come here for. iRacers Lounge is sponsored by GridFinder, your go-to source for finding your next sim racing cash league. A new premium feature within GridFinder.com to promote your cash league or race to over 1,000 racers that visit every week. A low cost of $4.99 a month will allow you to feature up to three divisions in GridFinder's newest section. That's only $1.25 a week to make sure you have a full grid for your next cash league or race. The special iRacers Lounge offer, sign up now and get a free week. This is only good for the rest of December. So get your cash league signed up now. GridFinder, the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com And with that, let's talk to our Pro Series champion, Isaac Gann. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on and... It's, uh, it's fun. I'm, I'm uh, happy to do this. All right, great. Uh, we like to get to know all the Coke drivers uh, that haven't been on the show. We've had most of them on, but obviously a new crop here for 2021, and you're leading the field. So, But first, uh, before we get into that, let's, let's go back in time. What brought you to iRacing, and how did you first hear about iRacing the first time? Yeah, so I um, I actually heard about iRacing uh, quite a I don't know it was it was maybe maybe ten years ago it was, it was right around the time that uh, the DWC stuff was starting and you had Dale Jr. and um, some of those other guys uh, Richard Tyler and they were all in there and you know uh, they were I I don't know exactly where I saw it but I just I remember maybe seeing a few YouTube videos where Jr. was kind of talking about it and watched a few of the DWC races at that time and um, was like, oh, that, that's kind of cool that, you know, they got a new little iRacing thing going on and didn't really think too much of it at the time. But uh, I eventually, it was in, I think, uh, maybe fall of 2014, one of my buddies, because at that time I was kind of dabbling in uh uh, NASCAR racing 2003 season and there at that time there were still a lot of people that were playing it and uh, one of the one of my buddies that I was uh, doing a lot of league races with uh, on there at that time he was like hey you know iRacing's got this you know uh, I think it was like three months for five bucks or something like that you gotta hop on and we'll do some legends races and street stock and stuff and we'll just kind of mess around and so I was like yeah sure I'll do that and uh, got on um, and, and just kind of messed around and and quickly found that it was a lot of fun and uh, 
I, I really enjoyed it. So um, that's kind of, I guess that's kind of how I got started. Okay, very good. I was just looking at your profile to see what you race. And uh, boy, your overall winning percentage, 36% in oval, uh, 52% in road, 17% in dirt oval, dirt road, 50%. Those are some of the best numbers we've seen of any guest on the show. So those are, uh, so obviously you know how to win. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe the some of those numbers are a little bit inflated, I would say, because uh, pretty much all I race is oval. Um, I, I think I've maybe only done uh, maybe 10 or 15 uh, of the dirt road and um, the road races. I, I, I don't know exactly how many I've done, but mainly I'm an oval racer, so uh, some of those percentages might on the other stuff would probably be, uh, like I said, a little bit inflated. But yeah, I mean, I... I uh, I took to it pretty well, um, pretty quickly. It, it didn't take me, you know. Once I when I when I first started, it was maybe a couple months were, to where it, after that I, I was a, I kind of figured out what the what the differences were in iRacing compared to some of the older sims that I was running, and um, kind of got up into the higher, you know, got through the the, the license classes, got to class a pretty quick and started getting my eye rating up pretty quick and uh once i you know i was kind of running like national cars the, the arca cars and and stuff on some of the and some of the lower splits and i was winning those pretty easily you know i was just i guess at the time i was quote unquote farming but i didn't i didn't really think of it at the time i was just you know it was new to me and i was just like heck i want to even if i'm winning these races pretty easily like i just want to keep doing it you know because it was fun and uh i eventually got to the point where started running and like some some b fixed and a fixed and stuff at the time and and saw that there were like i i could qualify up front and kind of run up front for you know 20 25 laps and then some of the you know a lot of those i remember justin bolton for whatever reason i remember him like vividly in my brain just absolutely waxing me at texas in the b car and uh you know, I, I probably finished second or third in that race still, but I remember he was just pulling away, and I was like, "Man, there's still something that I'm missing." Even though I felt like I got pretty good pretty quick, I, there's there was still something that I had to figure out. And so, you know, over the over those over time, I kind of got kind of watched different videos and got some tips and tricks from some of the guys that were really good, and uh, was able to once I once I kind of got those um, those little tricks, then. It was it was pretty easy for me to to start doing pretty well and and competing really well. Okay, and I uh, was just looking at what you were running uh, here recently. Uh, since the Pro Series wrapped up, uh, it looks like you've run uh, some A, B, and C, both open and fixed. Yeah, the the open the open stuff is is right now. I think more fun, just because with the with the way the the sim is right now, it's Fixed racing is, in my opinion, a little bit mundane, and I think that sentiment's probably shared by uh, a lot of, uh, not just me, but a lot of people. And uh, I, so I like the open racing more right now, just because it kind of spreads out a little bit more, and, and it, it gets a little bit more. It allows you to kind of, uh, even though it's open setup, in my opinion, open open setup racing allows driver to play more of a role because you don't have everybody just sitting right on top of each other nose to tail on a line um and so you know race strategy and 
and um, long run speed and stuff like that kind of comes into play a little bit more than in the fixed stuff where a lot of times you get a caution every 10 laps and it's kind of just like typically it's just like 10 lap sprints just who can qualify up front and, and just run the fa- just burn the fastest times and uh, you know not make a mistake and not let anybody behind you you know give you give them a chance to get under you or anything so yeah right now I think the, the I, I'm I like the open stuff a lot more than I do the fixed but I do run fixed every now and again just you know just if I'm bored and just want to do something to <laughs> kind of pass the time all right very good let's switch gears to hardware software i mean uh what kind of monitors or is it vr um what kind of wheel and pedal do you use and that kind of thing yeah so i I got a i got a 32 inch monitor and it's i just run on a single i don't have triples or anything like that no vr uh it's a it's a 1440p uh monitor so i mean it's all right it's it's pretty decent it's it runs smooth for me and everything, um, but it's you know it's uh, it's not you know I don't have like a crazy setup like a lot of people do. I, I run a um, a G29 wheel and then uh, Fanatec pedals. They're not the V3s. I think they're the CSLs. I think um, so. Nothing nothing too crazy. I, I I'm I'm more kind of a guy where I I like to just once I get used to something I, I kind of just like to stick with it and. And if I if I switch equipment, it, it takes me a little while to get used to it again. Even even if it's better, like if it's if it's more expensive or better or whatever, it uh it it kind of I don't know. I I like um, consistency and I like having a certain feel. Like even my even my desk even my um, my chair that I sit in has to like I have to have it at a certain height and and everything and like the desk has to be the same desk. Like if I switch if I were to switch desks i, I would just it, it just throws me off like i it, i'm i'm really weird that way but yeah I, it, it's it's nothing too fancy for me okay what about software any third-party software while you're racing besides like team speaker yeah no i i, I use discord and um you know team speak every once in a while but uh mainly just discord and then you know some people use caps and and other stuff like that i don't i i just you know, I just run, I just run the the sim and 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 do the races and and uh, I don't really have anything extra really. All right, let's talk about the team and uh, a little bit about you know why you decided to get into the road to pro and, and make your way onto the Coke series. When I look at your I rating graph, um, it was pretty consistent from 2014 up until. Uh, recently this last year and then it just jumped and uh, what made you uh, choose to go this path yeah so I, I always I was kind of off and on with i racing I'd get on for maybe two or three months and then I'd I'd take a break um, that's where my chart just kind of has a solid uh, horizontal line is where I just wasn't really racing and uh, so I, I would kind of you know like I said go three months and then have like six or seven months where I wasn't on um, wasn't doing anything and I, I think I, I kind of decided to to I initially I did I tried Road to Pro in 2019, and at, at that time I I don't want to say I was forced into it because I definitely you know I, I chose to run it but I was kind of just running it just for the experience I wasn't really taking it too serious and uh, you know I, I ran the races and wanted to do as well as I could but I I didn't have a whole lot of time invested in it and. Um, uh, looking back on it now, I, I'm a little bit, you know, 
I wish I would have spent more time and, and invested more time because there was other people around me um, that were investing way more time into the setups and testing and stuff than I was. And uh, so long story short, I, I, I kind of ran like half the season and then ended up quitting. And I was, uh, as Blake McCandless always likes to say on the broadcast, I, I was leading the points uh, like six or seven races into that season when I quit. And uh, so then this year, you know, I, again, I, I think it was like last maybe August, I think, is, is when I, I was like, okay, they changed the truck. I don't really like how they took away RPM and stuff. And I was just like, I didn't like what they were doing with the cup car and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to take a break. And uh, so I came back when all this, it was really all this COVID stuff started. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm in college right now. I'm a senior. And so, um, you know, when, when I was, when I came home uh, because of all the COVID stuff going on, I was like, well, you know, let me, let me get back on iRacing and see, you know, you know, just have, have some fun with it. And uh, got on uh, again. And I, and I think it was like, you know, it was March of, of this year. And I just, I, I, I kind of just, it, it all just kind of happened all at once. It was, it was really weird. Like, I, uh, I had known Derek Justice for a long time, and he was kind of talking to me about, hey, I'm running this road to pro stuff. Or do you, do you know anything about sets, or do you, you know, can you kind of help me out? And I was like, man, I don't really know anything. Like, I, I've been totally out of the loop with that stuff. Like. You know, I, I'm I got like I'm on right now. I just got it back, but I told him like I don't know how much I can do. I mean, maybe I can spot you. And he's like, oh, that'd be cool. So he he ended up getting on it on the team that we're on now. It's called uh, Norse Force Racing, and he was like, hey, you know, I can I can probably get you on as a spotter, right? So I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, and I, I told him when I uh, Matt Fortune, who's the the team owner of of Norse Force. You know, when I talked to him initially, when I was first got on the team, I was like, you know, hey, uh, it, it's really funny now in hindsight. In hindsight, but at the time, I was like, don't expect me to, to like be on every day, like doing tons and tons of laps and stuff. Like I'm just here to spot Derek, <laughs> and uh, so I think they were kind of struggling with Homestead a little bit in uh, in the Road to Pro. It was like the third race of the season, I think, and. I was like, okay, let me let me do a few thirty lap runs and just kind of see what I can, you know, just see see what I can do and see if I can, you know, if I can keep up with Derek and some of these other guys on the team. And that kind of just got the ball rolling. And uh, Matt eventually was like, hey, uh, you look pretty quick. Why don't you just go ahead and not spot Derek and just run the race? <laughs> so I ran that race and I I wrecked out like in the very beginning of the race because I just. I I did again. I did. I didn't have that much time invested in, and I didn't really, I didn't really care too much, to be quite frank with you. And uh, but then, Atlanta, I think, was the next race, and I love that track. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to try this. I want to see, you know, what we got. And and our setup guy, Vince Marsh, he put out a set early in the week, like right after Homestead. And I tried it, and I was like, holy smokes, this thing's flying. And they all kind of laughed at me, like. Yeah, right. There's no way that stuff. I, I told him, I was like, this is going to win the race. Like, you guys don't understand. This thing is really, really good. And they're like, okay, you know, whatever. And uh, we ended up, uh, I think, like, 
there's five different splits that were won by our guys. Uh, Derek won top split. I won second split. And then some of the uh, the splits, uh, like maybe fourth or fifth split on down. I, I know that I'm pretty sure there's five five of us in five different splits that won, and on the on the same team on Norse Force. And that's when I saw how many points I gained from that. That's when I was like, oh, okay. I, like I was figuring up the math and everything, and how many races were left. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I might actually have a shot if I just keep getting like top tens every race, and, and I stay in second split where the competition's a little bit easier. I was like, I can, I can actually make, I can still, even though I missed essentially the first three races, I can still make it in. So that's what kind of got me into the into the road to pro stuff this year. It's kind of a, a weird, crazy story, but yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of happened all of a sudden. Yeah, and we've been watching Norse Force uh, all year, and and boy, what a team uh, you guys have got uh, together there. Um, you know, with with yourself and Derek Justice, Zach Nichols, Brian Schoenberg, all uh, advancing on to the twenty twenty one Coke Series. Uh, you guys were looking pretty good out there. Yeah, it, it was. You know, when as I started doing better and better in the road to pro series and I, I really, I realized that, Hey, like I can, I, I can, I can make it in, I can make it to pro. Um, I started really diving into, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I tinker on these setups? How do I, you know, I, I was asking Vince, who was kind of the, he was the by far the most knowledgeable guy on the team, especially with the truck. And I, I started, picking his brain because I, I knew nothing about I just knew how to drive the car I didn't know nothing about chassis and and he he helped me he, he gave me a ton of knowledge over over the course of this year about how to tweak on stuff and what works and what doesn't and uh, you know I just kept you know, just just kept going getting more and more involved in the setup making process and um, when when I made it into when we all when we made it into pro I told you know I told everybody on the team I'm like listen I, I don't know but I don't know what y'all are thinking but I'm not going into this to this pro season just to say oh heck you know I we made it to pro that's cool that's better than we thought we would have done as a team you know whatever happens happens and we'll just take the result I was like no like I I don't you know I was like I don't know if we're gonna make top twenty or not I don't know if I'm gonna make top twenty or not but like it wasn't enough for me just to i didn't just want to squeak into the top 20. um my mindset was i want to go in and i want to make something happen i want to compete and i want my goal was i wanted to win at least one of the six races and i ended up winning two so and i ended up winning the points championship which was crazy and i i definitely did not expect to do that i i, I can safely say i did not expect to to do as well as I did, but um, I did go in with the mindset that I'm gonna compete or I'm gonna die trying, you know? So uh, I just, I think, and I think everybody on the team just kinda like, it was almost, I don't, I don't wanna say it was like a get behind me and you know, get, get with me type of thing. It wasn't like that, it was just like, I feel like, I feel like everybody just worked so well together, like, it was such a team effort, especially the the final three races of the pro season. We all kind of had a meeting, and we we're just like, "Hey, listen!" Like at that time, I think Schoenberg and um, and Nichols were outside the top twenty, and Schoenberg was 
honestly like I, i'll let you guys know like he was just down in the dumps he was like guys i'm done <laughs> he was like my he was like my sim career is over i'm sorry guys and we all just kind of had a, a meeting of the minds and we're just like hey listen these these next three weeks everybody on this team has just they they just it's it's make or break now right and so we all just grinded so hard and uh it worked out i mean those last three races of the season we i you know i i like i like to stay humble but i mean we we kind of as a team we kind of dominated <laughs> and it, it was it was just i really just feel like it's just because we outworked everybody else we just never quit tinkering on the sets we never quit testing everybody kind of rubbed everybody's positive attitude from that point forward just kind of rubbed off on everybody else and i feel like that's why it was it, we had the success that we did yeah i think i mean what you've been saying here is how important it is to be surrounded by a good team you can't do this by yourself let's talk about your finishes in the pro series you finished 28th at daytona now it's daytona so uh that might be expected but then 11th 11th third first and first and so yeah you were smoking them there at the end uh, hot as heck and uh you know the guys are at the podium calling the race uh, they were just gushing over you and and obviously and they were even saying hey you you might be a favorite for the 2021 coke even though you're going to be a rookie in the coke series yeah i, I did kind of i didn't fully watch those races back from start to finish but i did i after the race after those races were over i did um take a peek at the podium broadcast and i i kind of did <laughs> i did hear a little bit of that stuff that they were saying and, and it's flattering you know it's it's nice and everything but i uh i made sure to make a point to him when i was talking to him after the homestead race that you know this is all fine and good and the pro series is you know it's that's one thing but you know now it's it's on to the next step and the coke series is a completely different animal and i know that and everybody on norse force knows that and we're not again we we understand the challenge that's ahead but we are not we do not have the mentality of you know we're just we're just here to participate um that's that's not our mentality that's not my mentality and you know we may we may show up to the coke series and i you know we may run 30th every week for who knows you know there's no way of really knowing or we could do extremely well you know we, we could run top 10 top five every week yeah, there's there's no way of knowing, but the biggest thing, the biggest thing with me is the same mindset that I had in pro. I'm going to carry it into the Coke series, which is I want to compete. I'm going to do everything that I can to compete. And if we don't have the speed, I don't care how long it takes, how how many, I don't care how late I got to stay up, what I, what I got to do. Like I'm I'm going to sit here and grind on these setups until I until I figure out where the speed's at. And uh, so you know that. That's uh, that's the mentality we had, particularly the second half of the pro season, and I think, and if if like me personally, like if I'm going to be successful in this in this Coke series, then I'm gonna ha I'm you know if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I'm not going to change my mentality at all. Yeah, and we got a really good crop of rookie drivers coming in from the pro series. Um, uh, Garrett Maines and so forth uh, is really hot. Derek, of course, Justice. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing you guys uh, perform. Uh, Norse Force has uh, really uh, opened a lot of eyes of what you guys are able to do, uh, especially the last few races. And so uh, 
I hope you guys do well. We'll be watching. Let's wrap it up with one more question. Uh, what is your most memorable iRacing moment so far? Most memorable? Well, there's, uh, gosh, there's there's a lot of them. I mean, the easy choice, I guess, is, is winning this Pro Series because that's, I guess, like the most glamorous thing uh, that I've done so far or it, it has the most it's the thing that it's the only thing I've, it's the one thing I've done that has like the most attention on it but I, I don't I don't know I, there's there was uh, there was a lot of good really good racing on oval particularly around like like 2016 to 2018 and I was kind of off and on with I racing through that time but uh, 2018 was really really fun because the cars were really difficult to drive and there was a lot like everybody everybody was having and the, the multi groove worked beautifully and there was so much uh, there was there was so much competition and all like you know you, you you'd step into an NIS and there'd be you know the the top split of NIS it'd be almost it'd basically be like a coke field or at that time it was it was peak and uh it was really really uh good racing and it was difficult so i would say like overall i don't know if i have a specific moment or a specific race or anything i mean if a specific moment would probably just be winning the pro series but you know overall the probably the most enjoyment i've ever had doing this was um you know maybe two or three years ago when i was doing some of those those uh like it's particularly the nis races were were they were fantastic so i would say that's probably my answer yeah i think we all miss the old nascar package uh, we're begging for them to bring that back uh, yeah it was some good racing well isaac gan uh, congratulations on making it to the coke series of uh, winning the pro series i think you're well positioned to run well and uh we look forward to watching and uh, we'll see you out on the track Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on, and and uh, we're gonna go get them. We're we're gonna we're gonna see what we can do. That's for sure. All right, you get it. And uh, like I told you before, we'll be uh, reviewing the Coke races on our show and talking about it. We'll have you on when you win. Okay. <laughs> when I win, all right. <laughs> Ten four. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for coming. And with that, we're going to move into topics. Topics are sponsored by Schoolyard Setup. Struggling to crawl into the top 10 and Road to Pro? Always in the back of the Xfinity and can't find that extra 10th to compete in the NIS? Visit schoolyardsetups.com and get race-ready setups for the NASCAR A, B, and C each week. Enter referral code LOUNGE with a capital L when you sign up to let them know you heard about it from them on the iRacers Lounge podcast. Don't get bullied around on the racetrack again. Get your sets today at schoolyardsetups.com. So the Wonder Woman movie has been, I guess, met with mixed reviews on my Facebook time. What about you guys? It's not mixed on mine. It's all bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's been mostly bad. Well, we have the Wonder Woman car, actually. Uh, Art McEwen posted a video showing a replay of his Delara LMP2. And basically, the wheels are there. And maybe the windscreen? And the entire The entire rest of the car. Yeah, the shadow's there. The entire rest of the car is gone. And he's actually got video of it showing. And it's happening for every car, actually, not just his. I don't think we've ever seen something like that before. That's a that's a, a new one. That's like an odd, odd glitch to have. Yeah, and um, 
from uh, the in-car cam, you can actually see the steering wheel, right? Or just the display of this of his uh, steering wheel. Not even the handles, just the as he's driving around the track, and the and the wheels in the corner of the screen. It's crazy. And is it the wheels that you like? The it's the steel part of the wheel. It's not the rubber part of the wheel that you can see. Yeah, it looks like it's just the rim and maybe just a little bit of the rubber surrounding the rim, but that's it. No other part of the wheel showing. It's the oddest looking video you've ever seen. Uh, and, and you can kind of see uh, the windshield, but it's like invisible, just like the woman, the Wonder Woman car, uh, where you, you can kind of see a silhouette of it, but you can see right through it. Kind of cool looking. Would Netcode be uh, in effect with uh, this kind of car? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Well, um, in in that uh, forum thread, Greg West actually asked for a copy of his replay and his graphics settings, which is unusual. I've I've seen Greg ask for um for replays of of what's going on, but I've never seen him ask for a graphic settings. And uh, some of the other people in that comments in that forum thread thought that it might actually be on a GP dr GPU driver issue specific to his uh, PC, not necessarily an iRacing issue. So uh, I haven't heard any conclusions to that story yet, but but that's the way that the uh, forums kind of went in that uh, thread there. It seems to be a unique issue uh, to one person. I haven't seen multiple people uh, do this. Could you imagine watching an invisible car like that run along the wall? Yeah, you, you might be able to see the air bubble that uh, that's in the new programming. Because uh, Anthony Alfredo, uh, Fast Pasta, the uh, NASCAR uh, Xfinity driver, he posted a video of himself testing the new wall proximity model at uh, the Homestead, which is the track that everybody likes to run up at the wall. And he's comparing it to his exp past experience on iRacing with running the wall at Homestead and, uh, and his real life, uh, uh, his real life experience as well. And uh, so it's a really good video. It's a, it's about 12 minutes long. So he really goes into, he runs a bunch of laps. Uh, he shows you how, how he runs the wall, gives you some pointers on running the wall. And he goes over the replays, shows you where he made mistakes himself. And uh, yeah, it, uh, he was, uh, he, it, overall, he said he definitely feels a big difference with that wall proximity model with the air buildup that, that comes off the side of the car when, uh, when you get close to the wall like that. A fascinating video. I actually learned something uh, about how to run the wall by watching this. I mean, he really describes uh, the hard part of getting into the corner and not getting away from the wall. Um, and there's definitely a technique to it. Um, he did talk a lot about his experience at the real Homestead track, and he got a P4 there, and it's, he was saying it's one of his best tracks. And pretty proud of that but yeah don't forget anthony's been on our show what about a year ago a little a uh, little less than a year ago um we'll try to get him on again i hear he's going to have a cup ride with uh, front row but a great video if you want to figure out that air bubble on the wall take the 13 minutes and watch this because it's uh, it is fascinating now we had a inquiry i don't know was it last week uh or so ago that um from our one of our biggest fans, I guess, uh, Fat Boy, uh, nineteen ninety. He he wanted to uh, he wanted to know if we had our own paint jobs that uh, that our listeners could use. So you know, being us, we went right to our source for our paint jobs, Bobby Jonas, and uh, he fired up uh, three different cup paints, all the same way, um, but they all look great in the Chevy Ford and the Toyota. 
And uh, yeah, so you guys can go into Trading Paints and download an Isla Racers Lounge podcast uh, paint scheme and uh, run around the track. And as far as I know, Tyler has the first win in this paint, and he did post up on Twitter. Uh, I think you won a Carb Cup race, so congratulations, Tyler. Yeah, it's a really cool paint job, too. I really like it. If you haven't seen it before, it's uh, it's all uh, dark blue, like a navy blue with a white hood. The iRacing Lounge uh, logo on the hood. And on the side of the car has, like, the uh, equalizer levels look, look to it. You know, Sound meter. It's a tie-in. Yeah, sound meter uh, look to it that uh, you know ties in with the the audio portion of the show. And it's a really cool looking car. It's it's definitely something you might look, uh, might want to think about uh, loading into your uh, trading paints and getting on the track with. All right, I got the next one. Uh, iRacer iRacing put up a, a pretty cool little video uh, to kind of detail out that these guys are code builders, not racers necessarily. Uh, they have a staff race apparently amongst their uh, staff members. And uh, they were at Long Beach, and they kind of highlighted why uh, maybe they're not racers in real life. But they went through that hairpin, and sure enough, stacked them all up, blocked the track, and everybody piled in. Uh, kind of one of those uh, interesting uh, wrecks. Yeah, that, that hairpin at Long Beach is treacherous. Um, they even had an accident on the pace laps uh, <laughs> on the Long Beach uh, race there. That's a treacherous turn. It's really. I practiced it with the uh, the new uh, Lamborghini Huracan. And, uh, it's hard to make that turn. I mean, even with nobody else on the track with you, I had a hard time making that turn without over you know hitting the wall on the exit. It's crazy. That that might be the tightest radius turn in the service, right? I don't know of anything tighter than that. Yeah, it's kind of reminded me of that video. I don't think we've you know really ever talked about it on the show, but it's it's been passed around our chat a bunch with the RC cars uh, on the big oval, and um, you know they get into that one corner and just wreck, and just everybody just constantly keeps plowing into it. Kind of reminded me of that. It's definitely the the music makes it the best part, though, right? That's the <laughs> that's the thing that's awesome about it. IMSA was there this week, and uh, I believe Le Mans series or Euro series is there next week. And I, I don't know if I'll buy it or not. We'll see. Actually, we're gonna have to buy it for majors. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the music is uh is that the the theme to like the Sting? Is that what that was? The old Robert Redford movie. Oh yeah, I remember that. Well, I've uh, got another good video here. Uh, we've talked about all of the new GT3 cars that have come out, and they recently did a whole big uh, balance of power pass on it. Podcast listener Craig Reams sent us this video, um, and it. It's actually from Bo Albert, and he compares all seven of the cars. He tries tests for top speed, acceleration, a lot of different categories. Um, right now, he rates the Lamborghini as the top by a sizable margin over all the others, um, including taking the top lap time at Twin Ring. Now, I don't know if he did lap times at every track, because that can be a factor you know, different track cars tend to do better at different tracks depending on the, the characteristics of the track. Uh, and also, there is something to be said for driving style being suited towards certain cars. I just can't get a good lap in a Corvette, whereas the Ferrari is pretty easy. But um, it's a good it's a good watch. It's only about nine minutes long, and I'm, I am going to point this out to uh, Christian, who just started working at, up at iRacing because he asked us, all the guys in the major series, to uh, toss him any feedback about the balance of power. 
he's he's kind of the guy who headed up that entire project. That was his first job. I mean, I was going to say, uh, Bo Albert, I mean, he did a lot of work on this video. I mean, it, it's a very scientific kind of study where he compares, you know, uh, not only lap times, but fuel usage, uh, tire uh, wear off, um, lap times, you know, sector times, everything, and uh, amongst all the cars. And uh, he talks about, you know, how they feel as well. It was pretty interesting watch. Well, and they, yeah, I, oh, go ahead, Greg. Sorry. I was just going to say the thing here is this is, is it's never going to be perfect, right? Like it's, we're, it's close every week, but we have week by week, you get to figure out what car is going to be faster in all those road series like david was saying and it's it's really really going to be a difficult thing but uh a lot of effort and uh, a lot of ways to figure a lot of variables that are really hard to go by to figure that out would be um it'd be really difficult to make the accurate decision on what car to drive but i think it's more of, i always just pick the one i like to drive the best right david it's kind of the same for you right yeah, it's kind of it can come down to driving style, what feels the best. Now, in real life, every week, they basically have a whole series of lobbyists at IMSA griping at the sanctioning body, saying, "No, this car is too fast, or this car has too much downforce." Um, and it, NASCAR used to be the old way before they had the more you know uniform body styles. They were constantly lobbying for different spoiler angles or lengths and such. So it's just, it's just like in real life, really. Uh, there are always, there's always going to be, they're always going to have to be playing with balance of power. It's a, it's a never ending project. Oh, the lobbying is still going on. I assure you, if you check the forums, everybody's lobbying Christian, um, Christian Challenger is watching these races very closely. Um, the last thing I saw from him about it was, uh, he wasn't going to change anything until they got to Phillip Island and he wanted to see what happened at that particular track. Yeah, and I'll just uh, back back up that it's a really well produced uh, video from Bill Albert, and Bill Albert is uh, is a former, or uh, I think he's a former, but he's a Porsche uh, top level driver. So he's he has like credentials. He's not just somebody who just put videos together. He's he's a uh, he's very high highly credentialed at iRacing and uh, put a lot of time in this video. It's really neat. And and the way he did it was like uh, f for the top speed, he just put all the tracks at the uh, new iRacing Super Speedway, see which one has the top speed. For the acceleration, they did the drag strip at Sonoma. Um, the lap time was done at uh, Twin Ring Motegi, and he, his uh, explanation was, you know, uh, it had the, a lot of curvy parts to it, so it kind of uh, kind of balanced out some of the uh, longer stretches with the curvy parts. So um, it's really interesting to watch. I, I really enjoyed watching the whole thing. It was really good. Yeah, Twin Ring features quite a few corners, but it also is, it's mostly a couple of corners and then a really long straight, and then a couple of corners and then a really long straight. Um, whereas like Road Atlanta, there's one straight. And it's got that high speed kink corner, right? Yeah, I, every track has its own personality. Yeah, and, so. and to be fair with all these cars, the lap times at the, the Twin Motegi when he did that, I mean, we're talking like a couple of tenths of a second off. It's not uh, two seconds or anything like that between the, the first and last place car. So, I mean, it was it's it's not a big difference. And if it's only tenths, then draft and everything like that can help adjust the cars too. If he's doing this by himself, once you're in a draft, straightaways you can kind of gain time and lose time that way anyways. It sounds to me like 
you know, after watching his video, that the BOP is actually pretty darn balanced. And uh, iRacing works really hard on that, I'm sure. Is it any surprise that the newest car is the fastest or the one that, you know, Bo end up picking? Probably not. I mean, I don't know if iRacing does that on purpose, but uh, I'm sure it drives sales. Well, Christian, <laughs> Christian said he, he, you know, he was the one who headed up this project and was he tested every single one of them and tried to get him as balanced as he could for, for his driving style as his job. Um, so it could come down to the it could come down to something as simple as the Lamborghini suits Bo's style just a little bit better than Christian's. All right. But, you know, I mean, Christian is, you know, he could probably race a boxcar faster than anybody else, you know? Yeah, former Coke driver and now iRacing employee. So, uh, guys, while we're talking about the GT3 series, um, Greg West, West, he posted in the forums that there is a new manual in the iRacing uh, uh, car manual um, page. They have added the Lamborghini, the new Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo to the list of the existing uh, car um books where you can really look deep into the uh, car and see what see its features and all that stuff so that's a that's a neat improvement yeah these manuals are something else i mean when you open them and go through them they're easy to read they're nice to look at they have great you know pictures and whatnot but lots of descriptions i mean um just like looking at the dash and it tells you exactly what every little thing is on the dash and it gives a description and uh talks about how the wings are set and arrows calculated and and just everything that you need to know you know what this would be really sorry brian this would be really good for when you know some people like like myself uh, i sometimes you know print some of these things up and you can just you either have them on your computer, you can have them in a book or something too. It can, you know, quick reference if you're in sim to look at something if you don't know, right? Like it's it's really in depth here. I was I'm showing on the broadcast, like you can it shows a part of the dash that normally we don't look at, right? So you you don't know all the things on the dash. Um, I don't know, David, when you race the Ferrari or the and I don't I I'm still getting to know the Ford. I don't know if you know everything on the uh, looks like David's not there, but. Um, I don't know all the things on the dash that I, I just know the ones that I need. And it's just nice to actually know exactly what you uh, have there for the dash. Well, that's the thing I'm getting at is before these manuals, which, you know, they just come out with these in the last couple of months, there was really no way to figure this out. I mean, you just, you know, it's kind of word of mouth, I guess. Well, it's like even the data here, like shift lights. So like one, uh, one green light has is 65 or on the, on the hurricane, or the Lamborghini, one green light is 6650, two green lights is 6800, three green lights is 6950, four green lights is 71, and then when it goes into yellow, it's in the 7250. Like that stuff, you know, if you really want to t- tune in when you're shifting and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very comprehensive guide to each of these cars. There's five of them now uh, that they've uh, released. If you count all the uh, Cup cars as one. Um, so all three of the cars are in one separate manual. Um, and then they have the new IR, um, IR01, the Delara car, the small block uh, 358 modifieds, and the uh, LMP2, the Delara P217. Like the more they get this, like obviously they're way behind because this is something that they've been doing over the years here. But man, is it, it's interesting. 
if they could get caught up on a lot of these things. Like the one that I would like is the uh, to have the uh, I know they have the LMP two here. It would one for everybody would be the Delara LMP one, probably the F one car, the Indy car, things like that would be the more convenient ones to have for some of the more difficult ones, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and as I go down to the bottom, I mean, man, it's got stuff like camber and caster and rebound damping and compression damping. And it gives a, a very detailed description about what that means and w how it's set up on this particular car. Very cool. All right, I got the next one. Uh, we got listener Matt Crockett uh, sent us in uh, about the Bandit Racing League. They're doing recruiting for its Wednesday night Xfinity series. Uh, the league will begin on January 27th at Daytona, and all races will be broadcast by the Evanwall Media on YouTube. So I haven't heard of this one before, uh, Bandit Racing League. Uh, we need to get him hooked up on the grid finder. Yeah, I was searching for him up on the grid finder. But, uh, I don't see him there. That's where you want to be for sure. That's where that's where the eyeballs are looking for these leagues nowadays. Yeah, so Wednesday night Xfinity um, should be fun. So check out the Bandit Racing League. Uh, they are on Facebook. So we talked about a lot, the explosion of iRacing on TV a little bit as we were going through quarantine. Well, Adam Stern has recently tweeted that NASCAR and iRacing are in talks to possibly airing some shows on Fridays since most of the shows at the real track are going to end up being one-day shows or maybe or just two-day shows. So they're going to have some open time on Friday nights, and they're looking to air some races. So it may be Coke Series, or who knows, maybe they'll throw in a, a top split in IS. It doesn't say. I mean, with no practice and qualifying, uh, they're going to continue that. Um, yeah, I think they, they feel like there's a hole there, and they said maybe Friday or Saturday uh, broadcast windows. Now, the big question is, is it the Coke Series? Is it, like you said, NIS? Is it the actual cup drivers now i think in our discussion in our chat uh i don't know if it would be the the actual cup drivers uh you know are those guys going to dedicate that kind of time to it are they i mean they're going to be traveling to, to tracks usually on friday yeah if it's if it's held live there's no way it's going to be their the actual drivers because it's right. right in the middle of the race weekend i mean unless it was recorded earlier in the week but um i for one hope it's not the pro the uh, actual real drivers i hope it's legitimate i racing drivers who get a chance to uh get this kind of exposure and and you know i really think if uh some people really give it a chance i think uh, it can really explode um this i racing as a as a uh, serious broadcast on regular tv what about a mix what about a you know maybe it's not the coke series but maybe it's the coke drivers uh, in a non-point situation like an invitational and then they bring in special guests kyle bush and denny hamlin and and kevin harvick and those kind of guys and they bring in six or seven drivers that can run with them uh, i think that would be uh, fascinating and and certainly would hopefully draw in those nascar eyeballs let's think, just not have two or three fast repairs yeah really and i and i think uh i think the key to what you said, if they bring in just a handful or a couple of actual drivers is they'd have to be able to keep up because I don't think they're going to want to go in these races and just get totally destroyed. It's not going to do their, well, their image all that well. 
That's a good point. I mean, would they be embarrassed out there? I mean, if you had Dale Jr. or somebody like that on the track, Kevin Harvick, uh, would they be back in, you know, 30th if they had, were out with all the Coke drivers? It's very likely. Yeah, I think so. Not not once they get it. There's guys are real racers. It, it's just a matter of getting used to the different format. Uh, look, remember how Kyle, Kyle Busch had a rough start, but by the end, he was right up at the front. Yeah. Oh, this would be a great opportunity for the coke series i know they're you know slated for another day and everything but you know that could change in a blink of an eye if the you know uh the right things were called but it it would help with like you know we watch on a weekly basis the real racing and then you got the you know the coke series It's, it's got a bit of a narrative you can um it's it's not just guys kind of jumping in and jumping out like you know, these guys are racing week in, week out. There's storyline. Um, it could be, you know, like what Brian would say is to kind of, you know, push the esports to the next level. You know, we've seen what it did this year already earlier on. But now if you get a legitimate, um, you know, competitors that are competing for something, um, they bring in more of the drivers. We get to see more of the more of the drivers and, and what what's happening um, you know, just kind of like the real thing, right? Just bring those stories to life. I think there could definitely be something there. And Tony's right on the money there. The personalities and, and the storylines are what bring, bring us to racing. It's not just about the cars. It's about those people in those cars. Well, yeah, I, Adam, I agree. Yeah, I agree a, thousand, agree, agree a thousand percent with uh, Dave and, and Tony on this. Because even even if it's not necessarily the actual Coke race series that they're broadcasting, you know, maybe they could uh, set up their own series just for these these uh, these broadcasts and then have points carry over from one week to the next. Or, you know, or if there's a week where uh, the, the, uh, there is a full NASCAR weekend and they don't they don't have the, the time for this um, schedule, then. You know, just just schedule it during those weeks. Have it be its own series, maybe where you can uh, where you can follow the storylines week to week as the season progresses, and these uh, championship uh, races, uh, the points start to become heated and stuff. Is it realistic to if it was an all cup, you know, real cup drivers on a Friday night? I don't know if it is, but it, the way I read this report from Adam uh, Stern at the Sports Business Journal, it almost feels like. That's the way it's going. I mean, he doesn't specify, but that's kind of reading between the lines. That's the way I read it. Imagine if a driver's pissed off from the Friday night virtual race and then takes it out at the real race. <laughs> Carry well, over. I'm going to say there's some good storyline to talk about. So I guess in that kind of sense, that would work too. You wrecked me virtually, so I'm going to take you out with a more expensive car. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you get the butt hurt. It's still a butt hurt. It's true. Well, looking forward to that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're at least discussing it, planning something. You know, if it is going to be the Coke series, that's going to be a drastic change to the Coke series because that's every other week. That's every two weeks. Uh, that would have to change, obviously. And then, obviously, the day would have to change as well. And so there's a lot of factors. You know, if the Coke ran a more compressed series, then the Pro Series could have a little bit more time. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. That's yeah, that's a that's a whole can of worms you don't want to open up right now. Well, let's talk about pro and road to pro, Brian. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we just had Isaac on. Um, he uh, wound up taking the championship in the Bro Series, and um, you know, after uh, 
after that season finished up, uh, a bomb went off when Malik Ray tweeted. Malik Ray tweeted that, uh, and I quote, you guys will never have the 40 best drivers if everything continues to be open. So uh, Malik Ray is basically saying that he thinks that all these series should, uh, the pro and the uh, road to pro should all be fixed series events and no open setups. And that way you'll get the best drivers. So uh, um, <laughs> that, that was an, ex- that exploded in the uh, iRacing world and the sim racing world. Yeah, this is a big topic over the last uh, couple of weeks, actually. Um, a huge discussion on Twitter, for sure. Malik, you're wrong. End of discussion. Well, the worst part is, is it doesn't, that's not how, it, there's only certain series in real life that that works where the cars are equal. But guess what? When you build a car, they're never equal. No matter what, if you built it the same way, they're never equal. Even NASCAR in that- doesn't, even like, but I was saying is like, even in NASCAR, do you have people that run in the back that don't have good setups, don't have money, don't have all that? You get guys in the front that have the money and all the teams and have the knowledge, and it's always open. That's it's always been an open series. If you're looking for a fixed series, then maybe you know do they cut off and make a different type of championship, which I don't agree with either. But it makes no sense to bring something fixed because that doesn't give you the best drivers. That gives you the best drivers for the setup that's fixed. Also, in even in IROC. All the drivers knew that some cars just turned out better than other cars when they were sitting there basically trying to make the entire car spec. Well, you, everything's measured and machined to a certain thing, but anybody that has a, a background in, in producing something knows that it never ends up being the same. You know, And it just goes with the same of us. There's five of us here on the show. None of us drive the, can drive the fixed setup the same way, right? They're, we all have the same different feeling of driving a fixed setup so how is that a fair you know it wouldn't make it any fair like even if we all had the same talent if one adapted to a setup better it doesn't make any difference right like if you can drive a tight setup then you might be good right <laughs> if it's uh but yeah this is an interesting discussion uh ray alfala he he tweeted uh yeah let's do it in coke too he seemed to like the idea. Uh, Bobby Zelensky didn't like the idea. Um, Keegan Leahy uh, sounded like he didn't like the idea. So it, it, there's definitely a discussion. Uh, people like it both ways. Um, Brian Mercurio said Colin Keister would be undefeated if everything was fixed. Well, if you notice the guys that complained to the guys that didn't, the guys that wanted the fixed have the ones that have been struggling with the new car model. It You know, some guys like that old horsepower car. Imagine going to a fixed setup with that old horsepower car and, and trying doing all this stuff. Like, it makes a difference. The the aero car is really hard to, to to develop for because you're in a tight pack for a while. But it's like, do you want to stop? Uh, do you want to stop it being competitive, or you want it to be a tight pack? And uh, what was the race? Was it Texas that was all those wrecks near the end, like and things like that? Like, do you need? every race to end up like that because that's what a, a fixed race probably would end up yeah the fixed setups like our guest said just lead to um even tighter racing yeah it didn't sound like isaac gann would be a fan of that um now bo albert who we talked about before he put out a video about this and talked about in his video all the different uh uh people's ideas about is this good or not uh tyler hudson actually weighed in on the forums and and basically said there's we're this is not on our radar we're not planning on doing this um you know in the real world 
it's an open setup, and this is the premier uh, level of esports, you know, motorsports esports, and uh, we have no intention of going fix. So Tyler pretty much shut shut it down pretty quick, uh, but it shows an interesting topic. Well, the other thing is, is it, could any of these guys be really, really like I, I have a feeling that I like I had a different point in it. Could it be the fact that um, there's a lot more rookies this year and the old boys club that had the same drivers for the last, what, eight years, the majority where they only have a couple new guys come in um, is starting to get mixed up more. And some of the guys that, have, you know, that have been in there for a long time, they, they've lost their shot at being in there or they're, it's not as easy to be in there anymore. Like I'm thinking it's, there's just the crop is about to change of who's racing in there because what do we have? 12 new rookies. I think it was 12, wasn't it? I found the quote from Tyler. It says, this is the top of the mountain. It should encompass everything that the sim has to offer, including custom setups, working with teammates to build setups, positioning yourself to be on good teams, etc. This is the very real aspect of sim racing. And I don't think that we should take this away anytime soon. Couldn't have said that much better. Well, it's a good thing that they nipped it in the butt too, so that it's not something that was lingering too on line, right? I'm sure they're still arguing about it, but at least they've put their foot down and said that this is what's going to happen. Yeah, Jimmy Mullis on Twitter, he actually wrote up uh, several paragraphs and posted out his thoughts about it. He wasn't a fan. Um, he thinks that you know uh, you should work hard on those setups and you'll be rewarded for your effort. But that's the other thing. If it was a fixed setup, uh, it would probably cut a lot of testing time for these guys, they wouldn't have to be on the sim, you know, every night. Well, that's that's what this should be about. If, you, if you're running at the top level, like this is a team sport. Uh, it is in real life. Uh, it should be in the simulated uh, world as well. But you need, if you want to compete at that top level and you want to continue to have that top level competition, you need to be putting that time in. That it's, it's kind of like, you know, earning your badge. And... I, I mentioned that with the interview with Isaac too. I mean, it was all about Norse force racing and, and he told us about his journey, you know, going onto that team, how they started clicking. You know, they had great setups. It encouraged him to participate in the road to pro. Um, and, and it led him to the championship and the pro, you know, and, and he couldn't have done that without the team. You know, it, it is a team sport. Do you think that could possibly discourage some of the, the team owners that have been investing in these, uh, in these, uh, cup, cup drivers, these, uh, Coke drivers, you know? Well, Elliot Sadler came in and invested in several teammates and got them in or helped facilitate getting them in. So, yeah, he's got three drivers and Coke, right? I, 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 I hope Taylor, Tyler Hudson feels in the whole staff feels the same way about, the relegation as they do about the open setup, even though it's not a part of r real racing that this makes it really the top of the mountain that you have to keep yourself in the league based on results, not just being able to buy a charter. I like that idea. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Elliot, uh, motorsports, uh, going or esports. Uh, will they become one of these, uh, front-end Coke teams, or will they have to be farmed out to other people and he's just the back-end team, kind of like Norse Force, or how is that going to work? I don't know. We'll try to find out. All right. Well, it's the end of the year, and it's award time, 
And we saw on Twitter, the VCO Simi Awards have been announced and iRacing wins for the best platform. And uh, pretty nice little uh, video uh, showing, you know, Kevin Bobbitt and uh, iRacing uh, taking the trophy. There were also other winners as well. Uh, Jimmy Broadbent, who's a, a famous uh, streamer, he he made it to their Hall of Fame uh, that they have, uh, as well as some other notables, Fanatec, iRacing, Max Verstappen, Porsche. Isn't it the best name for an award, though, the Simi Awards? I think that's cool. Did not the best uh, best driver went to someone who runs uh, the F one twenty twenty console game? Is that wasn't that right? Yeah, I didn't know who it was, obviously, because he doesn't run iRacing. <laughs> exactly. Who? So, guys, that's not the only awards that have been given out at the end of the year. Um, in another another set of awards this season, the Sports Business Journal's 2020 Year End Awards for Best Esports Contact Content was awarded to iRacing, noting their average of one million viewers during their Fox broadcast this spring with their Pro Invitational series. So, uh, iRacing takes the uh, takes the award from the Sports Business Journal for the uh, best esports content. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a hard one to disagree with in any way. Uh, no others, no other, uh, esports have had that kind of impact, uh, even during this, uh, even during these lockdowns and everything else. Yeah. We saw in the spring, the NBA trying to do something, uh, you know, online and they weren't getting any eyeballs. I mean, we definitely got, uh, uh, the majority of the, the ratings, so to speak, on uh, Fox and NBC and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, kudos to them. Uh, this is, a, I think, a more prestigious award than uh, the VCO Semi Awards um, because the Sports Business Journal, like I said, Adam Stern and those guys, um, they're the go-to source for you know anything racing. Well, the other thing is, is it's really, um, it's up to this is the only sport you can you can get in where it's a single person sport that they can show on, on TV too, or streaming where, you know, you get in the car and it's you driving it. You know, when they were, like you were saying, Mike, when they were trying to do the uh, hockey and baseball and, and basketball and stuff on TV to simulate while everything was out, those are all team sports where you're operating multiple um, players in the game. Right. It's, it's a little bit different where at least you can relate by getting behind the wheel here. Right. Yeah, watching, you know, the NBA guys, you know, with their PlayStation controller, you know, playing a video game is not the same as, you know, watching Kevin Harvick, you know, you know, behind the wheel and doing his thing. Because uh, I think sim racing really translates. About the only way you could, you could do it is if you actually had like VR and every and a person for every player on the court. Yeah, yeah, it's the the thing that makes uh, sim racing so much uh, more realistic than any other sport is the the motions, the movement, and the uh, the skill are all the same skills that you would use doing the actual sport that you're simulating. You know, you you're pressing a button for a jump shot in the NBA. You're not actually taking a ball and jumping and shooting a ball. You know, whereas in iRacing, you're you're shifting the cars, you're hitting the brakes. And uh, an accelerator, and uh, that's the, that translates to the same uh, movements 
that are actually happening in the real life counterparts. And that's, that's always what makes uh, sim racing different than all these other sports simulation games to me. I think this ties into the other story about the Friday night uh, broadcast for NASCAR. I, I think NASCAR, you know, if you, you look at it from their point of view, they're trying to cut costs by getting rid of, you know, qualifying and practices because that worked so well this year. But they still have a TV contract they got to live up to. So how do you fulfill both those items? Well, let's bring sim racing in on a Friday or Saturday to uh, help Fox, you know, sell some commercials on those days when otherwise we're not on track. I I think it's a brilliant idea. Okay, I got the next one in a tweet from Porsche Motorsports. They remind us that January 9th, we begin the new season of the iRacing Porsche Tag Heuer Super Cup Series with Sebastian Job looking to def- defend his championship from this last season. Man, it seems like it's, uh, it was just over, and here we go again. Yeah, they, they did the same thing they did with the sprint cars. They really bumped it up to the beginning of the year because uh, the dirt sprint cars was was uh, in started in spring last year, and that's about the same time that the Super Cup started last year. And they, They've bumped it up uh, early in the schedule, and my my thought might be that they're opening the uh, the other part of the calendar up for maybe the the new uh, Delara IR01 car and the series that that's going to be uh, part of later in the year. Yep. Yeah, I think if you're a road guy and you're not working on that Delara car, you're missing out because that's going to be the future. I think of you know the world championship. Well, if you want to be a pro road guy, yeah. Before we uh, jump to the next topic, I'm going to pull us a little bit off script and toss things over to Tony, who's about to take off and set up for one of our community races we have coming up. Yeah, so the Aftermath is uh, holding the New Year's Eve Bash Fun Race tonight at the iRacing Super Speedway. Uh, Practice actually kicks off here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to practice for about an hour, let everybody kind of congregate and uh john jack and do whatever they want to do the qualifying start about nine o'clock and then the race will proceed afterwards um a bit of a crazy race tonight it's gonna be multi-class uh we're running the cup car the cot car and the indy car and uh we're gonna go for 40 laps uh not gonna do any damage tonight and what else do we got going um yeah, no damage, full cautions, and Mr. Rochette says he's got some other surprises, so I don't know what those are, um, but we're going to... Sound effects? Yellows don't count? <laughs> no, no, we are definitely counting caution laps. Um, we just, uh, yeah, we just won't have any damage. Um, it Three different types of cars, we're going to be going super fast, people are going to be wrecking, we just want to get people out there. It's all about, uh, you know, just just having fun. So we'll see, we'll see what else he's got in store. It's probably going to be something silly. Um, no, no one, Tony, but, uh, that's all good. It'll be a good time. I know we got a bunch of the ladies of iRacing going to come out and uh, join us tonight. I'm sure we'll see some, uh, some of the fellas from the OBRL and, uh, yeah, it's a 60 car field. So we'll, we'll see who all shows up. Uh, anybody listening live, they want to jump in, at nine o'clock or you know shortly there before come on out be a lot of fun so which car is the fastest of these three the mazda oh yes yes definitely the mazda um it's i think it's pretty close between the cot and the indy car 
Um, but there's not a whole lot of difference between the three cars, um, but there is a little bit. I think the COT, in my experience with this particular track, um, and another thing I just thought of, how come it's not Coke Speedway yet? I, I mean, we thought it was just a hiccup in marketing, but man, it's been a few weeks and we still haven't heard anything about Coke Speedway. Yeah, that's that's kind of weird. Um, I, I I'd like to be a little fly on the wall to to know what's kind of going on there. I figured, you know, Coca Cola would want to jump all over that, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe soon. Hashtag soon, I guess. Maybe never. There's got to be a risk or something that we're not thinking about. That the reason they're not doing it. All right. Well, we're going to jump onto that as soon as the recording's over. I'll be there. I uh, hope to see everybody on track. Yeah, I'll be uh, looking forward to, to seeing you guys out there. But uh, in the meantime, have a great rest of the show. Thanks, Tony. So we got a quick hit here. Dell Jr. has been building his own PCs for quite a while. And here's his newest build. Um, and it's got a lot of orange lights. Looks like a Ryzen setup uh, to me. I can't tell, though, for sure. And uh, what kind of card does he got there? I think that's the 3090. Yeah, he just put up one picture of it, so it's kind of hard to tell what he's got in the box, but uh, he did indicate this is his first solo build. Um, so maybe he's done builds before with help, but this is the first one he's built on his own. Yeah, and actually uh, in that in that post that he, uh, that he sent out, he actually uh, talks a lot about the, I, the field of IT, you know, and uh, how much he uh, enjoys doing that kind of uh, thing uh, as far as working with technology fixing things and uh getting things to work like that and um and even says that you know if he wasn't a race car driver that might have been something he might have done for a living dale jr the the it nerd all right guys the next uh next story we got is from a pro driver pippa man she tweeted that she started using blue light glasses like the blue blocker glasses and uh for when she's in races and it's it's really helped her out with depth depth perception and she's had a lot less problems with headaches after her racing sessions so uh yeah so she uses she runs a triple monitor setup and she's been using those uh blue blocking uh glasses and uh yeah she 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 says they really help her with headaches and field of view and depth perception i'll nerd out a little bit for you on this one but blue light has a shorter wavelength and the photons that come out of it are higher energy so they they can put a lot more strain on the eyes um interestingly you can also actually turn a blue light filter on in windows um as well as most phones uh, which is also better for helping you get to sleep at night. If you're, if you have less blue light coming into your eyes, your your body is able to think it's more nighttime. So either option is a good option. So when I saw this, first of all, I was surprised. Pippa Man, who's an IndyCar driver, is on the sim. I didn't. I had no idea she was an eye racer, but uh, I'd never heard of people using blue light glasses to sim race. Uh, that's a new one. Well, that's popular in in a lot of like uh, professional gaming in general, but um, it's, it definitely isn't, hasn't shown its way onto the racing part of it yet. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that uh, translate over the, maybe more people get into it now. Maybe they will come up with a uh, VR insert. Okay. This next one um, is a quick hit about some January special events. Uh, Ryan Vargas, uh, Xfinity driver 
is introducing his Nutrishop Monterey Park East Street Stock Showdown. $500 to win a 75-lap street stock event at Auto Club. Eight bucks to enter. There's a 200 cap on entries. The event will be January 27th and will be broadcast on Podium. We got another quick hit, uh, same vein. FTF Racing League is hosting the FTF 500 at Daytona on the 31st of January, and it's going to be live on the on Bottom Split TV, I guess, with a purse of at least 1700 500 is guaranteed to the winner. Um, there is sponsorship for the duels, and I don't know what the tiny text race means, but there's there's some other information in the tweet as well. This FTF has really uh, come on strong on social media trying to get uh, interest uh, driven up on this. I think they're trying to compete with the Podium 500. Well, they are on different days. Yeah, these um these special events are filling up quick. I saw uh, the one Ryan Vargas uh, p- posted for the Street Stock Showdown is already three quarters full, and uh, it's only been the registration's only been over like what two days now. I think it's it hasn't uh, it's it's filling up quick on these guys. So uh, the next one, as you mentioned before, is uh, the Podium Esports, um, their third annual Daytona 500 event. They call it Podium 500. That's going to be on February 7th, <clears throat> and it has a $10 entrance fee. <clears throat> Last year, uh, they had 175 entries, and uh, I didn't see any um, payouts yet, but uh, I can tell you that in the first two years of this uh, show, there has been combined $12,000 in payout money for those races. So uh, it's going to be a big payout race as well. I've never been one to run money races, really. Um, so I always like to watch these, but I don't participate. Yeah, money money races at a, a strict a stricter plate track uh, just seems like disaster. Got written disaster written all over it. But uh, all right. this, yeah, this uh, that uh, EDM, uh, the podium five hundred has like uh, test sessions. They have uh, heats all leading up to the February seventh. So it's like a week long, week long process. So uh, if uh, you want to join that one, keep an eye. Go to uh, the PM, uh esports website and look under the podium five hundred, and it'll give you all the details. Yeah, like a speed weeks kind of thing. Yep. Correct. All right, next up, an uh, email from a listener about how do we farm I-rating. He said, this is from Derek Branham. He said, hello, I hear you guys talking about farming I-rating. What does that mean and how is it done? I mostly do league races, but want to get back into official races. Thanks and great show. So uh, what does it mean, guys? Uh, well, I, I'm i probably the uh, one for the road course side when it's an oval uh, race. Um the week that I took off, I farmed I-rating by being one of my best tracks, and uh, I went from like you know eighteen hundred I-rating to like twenty eight hundred I-rating in a week, um, just knowing that I could finish well at this track and um, do a great. I know David, you have a more recent one uh, you did at uh, was it Imola or Spa that you went farming for iron, but it's basically just when you're good at a track try and run it as much as you can. And just that's usually what happens is if you got one of those weeks where you just hit on it, um, that's the time to farm it. If you really want to farm I rating. Yeah, if you can finish top five, you know, every race, uh, man, that's farming right there. Let's stack them up. As I say. Yes. And also just continue to survive. Right. And if you have good sets for a particular track or a particular car, that's uh, always helps. Yeah. Kind of like when Isaac uh, was on earlier and he said they had that, 
a kick butt uh, setup for Atlanta. I mean, that's when you farm. When you 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 have a setup you know can win. Well, hey, go run Atlanta fifty times that week and and just get as much I rating as you can. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you just pull it down, it's just maximizing your exposure to events and cars that you're really good at, and minimizing the ones that you're not. So, so you get the best results that you can possibly get. So this next one ended up being a pretty long thread, and I got to chime in on it a little bit and then got a little vindication uh, with a, a supporting reply from somebody else. Essentially, somebody was complaining about dive-bombing LMPs. And yeah, you can't dive-bomb, but we've, I've talked about this before. Some people, there's, a, there's an issue with GTEs thinking that they're entitled to get to run the perfect lap every lap, too. Um, and I've had an issue today with, with a couple of people just refusing to lift when I was outside them at the carousel at Watkins, Watkins Glen. They think they think that that means they can still run into the side. And I basically posted that, that if, if the car is already there, you can't hit them. And it's then your responsibility to back, to back out. Um, and it was a lot more long-winded than that. But I had somebody immediately reply and basically say that my thread should be required reading. So um, I, I actually felt a little justified there. Yeah, you're not the only one who thinks that. And uh, yeah, like you said, other people chimed in and supported your uh, hypothesis there. It's pretty simple. You, uh, I, give up, I give up time all the time make, if I can't get in there before, before you can break, right? But you're not always going to be able to get the perfect line. And so that, that's where the give and take happens. And some of them just refuse to accept that. Uh, how's that uh, ugly Christmas sweater, even though Christmas is over, Brian? Well, funny you should ask. Uh, so the NASCAR's website, they have a, a section called NASCAR Sasm. So uh, it's uh, some sarcastic stuff about NASCAR. And in that, uh, in that section, they asked fans of who paint for iRacing cars to paint up the ugliest, uh, ugliest, ugliest holiday car that they can that they can manage to paint up and uh like the one that we have here on the uh, script it looks like a uh an ugly sweater that's basically pasted onto a car it's actually very well done but man is it ugly and uh there's a whole bunch of those in the in that section if you want to go look at look through uh, nascar's website for their sarcasm page i i almost love the names of the paint jobs more than the paint jobs uh, we got the reindeer Reddick scheme uh, for Tyler Reddick. Um, they had the uh, Denny mask homage, which uh, the famous Denny Hamlin mask he was wearing. It looked like a, a mouth, and it's got it all over the car and real big on the hood. That one was pretty cool. But the Cole Custer pun mobile, I think, was my favorite. Um, and then they had the Sadler Nom Nom as well. Or maybe the Squinter Wonderland, which was the Joey Logano one. That one was pretty cute. All right. So with that, uh, we're going to go into housekeeping. Don't forget that we have a new website, guys, where we have great uh, script with visuals and links and everything we discuss. You can see visually. It's real easy. iRacersLounge.com. Check it out, guys. The way you're listening, go look at the page. And it's a, it's a really neat experience to see it visually while you're listening. Don't forget we're on the Performance Motorsports Network. And with that, hardware, software.
Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, guys, I'm going to take this first one. Um, it's an interesting story that I added, added to the show today. And um, so uh, a lot of people have been getting the uh, HP Reverb G2, the new uh, VR headset. And uh, across the board, the, the biggest complaint has been with the sweet spot in it. So basically, you know, anything out of the center view that you're looking at looks blurry in your peripheral vision. And uh, so one of the... Um, one of the uh, H, uh, VR reviewers, uh, his name is uh, Sebastian Ang. He has a YouTube channel called MRTV, Mixed Reality TV. Well, he, he uh, did an initial review of the HP Reverb and said that the sweet spot was very good. And uh, he's been getting bombarded with uh, with uh, people who have been responding to his uh, review and saying their sweet spot isn't as big as he says, that it's actually quite small. So what he he is uh, pitching is that he's having people send them their VR headsets, their HP reverbs, sending them to him, and he's going to test them compared with the model that he has to see if maybe there's uh, a difference in the lenses between the uh, the production model and, and what maybe he got as far as a uh, S model maybe. Um, and uh, so he's going to take just random people who's going to send them their VR headsets and test it out. And uh, he's going to see if there's an issue with uh, maybe not having the same lenses or maybe people aren't, aren't actually uh, adjusting it properly. And uh, that's something he's going to do over the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to keep an eye on this uh, investigation that he's doing to see uh, what the deal is with the HP Reverb G2 sweet spot. Now, teammate David Flowers just got his uh, headset and that was one of the first things he uh, mentioned. He said, hey, uh, such and such looks blurry. And so I reminded him, hey, you know, when you buy these things new, there's a plastic film over the glass. You Don't forget to pull that off. And actually in the forums uh, this last week, Will Sutton from uh, Race Spot, he uh, admitted to the forum community that he actually raced uh, several times with that film on it and didn't even realize it was there. David did make sure that he had already taken his film off, but uh, yeah, he did immediately notice that if he didn't have the reverb pointed straight at his his gear shift icon, where it tells him the the little black box that tells you what gear you're in, he couldn't see. It was foggy on him. Yeah, that's so. That should be interesting. I'm going to keep an eye on that, and we'll we'll uh, update you guys with the uh, with what he finds out when he gets other uh, commercial units sent to him from other viewers. Um, um, we had a we had a uh, we had a story about this a couple of weeks ago where a guy uh, said he was returning his for the same issue. So uh, you know, it's it's been something. I, again, I, I I noticed that my sweet spot is uh, a little on the small side as well. That was one of the things that I said when I first got mine, but uh, it doesn't really bother me racing at all. So it's not something that I'm really terribly concerned about, but I'm still interested in seeing, seeing how this develops. So our next hardware item is a Racex new pro cockpit. They are showing the work in progress and I just have, sorry about that. I'll turn my phone off here in a second. Uh, they're showing the work in progress of their revamped pro cockpit and i just have the one picture uh it's a tube frame style with some extra bracing though uh it's got the tube frame but it's got some extra uh sheet metal in a kind of a triangular form that's going to give it a lot of extra strength they're kind of welded into the corners mm -hmm. 
Uh, so it's definitely going to be a very sturdy build, and it almost looks like a shock absorber or something going up to towards the towards the actual wheel mount. Yeah, I couldn't figure out exactly what the heck that is. I mean, it's a pivot. It's a pivot point, so you can adjust the angle if you look at it. Uh-huh. Is it an adjustment on it? You tilt it up or down a little bit. Yeah, but there's no in or out or. I don't know if the seat moves in or out from what we got here. Does the seat move back and forth? Like how does it you, look like you, it? No, you can go up or down, but you can't go in or out. Right. The brake, uh, the place for the pedals is adjustable as well. You can see that there's, there's holes along the side where you can adjust those side rails to get a tilt, you know, or lay it flat or if you want to tilt it or whatever. Now what looks the flimsiest is actually the pedal stand. It looks like it's just hanging by a wire. Yeah, so check out Race X. They got something new there going. Um, I don't know a, lo- a lot about this uh, company, though. Okay, the next one up is the Sim Magic Alpha Servo, Servo DD pre-order. And so Sim Magic Alpha will be available to ship in early January, and they're taking pre-orders now. The Alpha is the flagship direct drive wheelbase from Sim Magic. It comes with 15 Nm of torque, delivered by a servo motor. The Alpha wheelbase is equipped with the same quick release used with the SimMagic M10 wheelbase. This allows you to use any steering wheel with a 50 mm or 70 mm bolt pattern in conjunction with the SimMagic wheels and button boxes. So an updated wheel from SimMagic. This is the one out of Hong Kong. And somebody on the team was talking about getting a, a direct drive wheel and I told them, hey, they should take a, a hard look at this uh, wheel before they decide. At first, I think we were a little concerned about, you know, where it came from, is there a warranty and that kind of thing. But now they have, you know, American distributors and whatnot. Uh, they've been out in the wild for a while. There's a lot of reviews. And uh, yeah, I think it would be uh, reasonable to, you know, consider this for purchase. I think the hardest thing is with the direct drive market, when you don't have a name in it right now is really hard to come up with something, right? Like every, we, we know the companies that were, we kind of would trust to go after something new always is harder to do it. Right. On the same token, I've, I've heard a lot of horror stories with Fanatec tech support lately. I think Flan, Fanatec's been over their head with just, I think they're just being bombarded with too much work for the size of the company. They are uh, the price. Uh, 1,150. I see. And you can get these at uh, sim-motion.com, it looks like, is the website. So uh, this next uh, next piece of hardware actually was uh, sent to us from GridFinder, our, our, our great sponsor. And uh, they posted a, a Twitter link to uh, a teaser from Thus. Thrustmaster of a possible upgrade to their open wheel rims. So uh, they uh, they're just teasing that they have new product coming out in 2021. Um, they just also show as a silhouetted view of uh, what obviously looks like a formula style wheel with uh, maybe uh, paddle shifters, uh, maybe two sets of paddle shifters possibly. And uh, yeah, so that's coming out. Um, no details have been uh, really unveiled yet. So. Uh, look for that to be coming out pretty soon and uh i'm sure we'll get the once more details come out we'll get give you guys uh fill you guys in on what what that turns out to be well it looks like it'll be an interesting wheel i just hope i hope they don't use a brand and, and that jacks the price up like it becomes a ferrari or mclaren or a mercedes or something type of rim they just have 
you know, Thrustmaster is the more economy rim. So I hope they don't have a price expected of trying to be a little bit more uh, with their stuff if they brand it with something else. Maybe just, just make a nice formula rim, right? Yeah, and Thrustmaster is kind of known for their low price wheels and whatnot. So, yeah, I think you're onto something, Greg. If they can keep it nice and cheap, uh, that's going to fit right in with their product. Well, isn't their last, I can't remember, is their last one a Ferrari rim? I think it was a Ferrari symbol in the front of it, but I don't think it was expensive. I, I could be wrong, though. I guess uh, I'll jump on this one, David. Uh, I've, I've fixed everything, so we're good here. I'll jump on this because uh, I, I know this rim uh, more than uh, I'm using it right now as my t- push to talk button. But uh, Fanatec has released their new McLaren CSL Leak McLaren GT3 version 2, which if anybody that's gotten this McLaren rim, this should have been their version 1 rim this is what it should have had uh what they've updated is uh to the magnetic shifters uh and and just kind of refine some of the problems i guess that the mclaren rim had from beginning um but it's a nice add and it's also made that they're it's their cheapest formula rim as well on thing i think it's 199 on the site if i remember correctly yeah that's right yeah so that that's a perfect price point to have a nice you know, this has everything on the rim that you need uh, for running Formula or a GT race or any of the with any of the uh, LMP stuff that we have. It has all the buttons that you're going to need. You got switches, toggles. You got the analog dual clutch. Not many things use dual clutch in it, but they do come in handy. David and I both can uh, attest to that. Dual clutch does come in handy when you need it. Um, but yeah, this is a perfect perfect price point for uh, their lowest Formula rim. Did yours have the knob, the the click rotary knobs that in the middle there? I don't remember those. Yeah, they have. Uh, mine has all the same knobs and buttons, but like I said, I think that they got the magnetic shifters, which was the biggest problem with the version one, uh, where the you would miss shifts or it would double shift or not shift at all, um, and that's what people were sending them in for was RMAs or whatever, and. Uh, it, it caused a whole, a whole lot of problems with these with this rim, but um, and a lot of people would just upgrade and make their own magnetic shifters for it. Um, but this is a very good replica of the actual rim that you get in the GT3. Um, there's been a bunch of uh, I think I saw Dave uh, Dave Cam review one of these, and he really liked the rim. So is that something you'd be interested uh, in picking up, Greg, or is that are you going to stick with what you got? Well, well, I have the original one, so I don't I've not had any issues, but. At the 199 cost, if I ever had to actually re- replace or something because I had the misshift problems, um, and I've been running a lot more road this last year, um, and I use this for my cup car when I'm doing the road courses as well. But uh, I would only upgrade to it if if I was I, ha- I was in need of another formula rim. But David makes a good point when I've talked to him. I think I would actually go to the other rims um the other f1 rims or just to spend some more money um because they are better and they got some better better options for it i would probably upgrade if i ever did have a problem i the best thing out of having to wait for four months uh for my dd1 is that i ended up getting that formula rim free yeah that's that's a bonus right yeah that was what that was their uh i'm sorry basically token it was a 300 dollar, actually a 400 dollar. i'm sorry so yeah was that was the uh the v2 rim is that right dave yeah 
All right, guys. Uh, up next is a rig view sent in by listener Eric Whiting, who's actually uh, an OBRL member. So, uh, how you doing, Eric? Um, so, he sent in a video of Facebook of a, a sprint car simulator. Um, it's not something that you could buy. It uh, was custom designed by uh, the engineers at Roan Racing, and uh, man, did they do a job on this thing! So, it is actually a full tube sprint car chassis that they've uh, that they've built uh, monitors into the front for the uh, front display. It's got triple monitors, and uh, the monitors on the left and right hand side of this uh, sprint car. Um, after you climb into the cockpit and sit in the chair, they close around you like a clamshell, basically. So the left and right hand monitors for the uh, for the triples, they close in around you, and the roof actually automatically closes down on top of you. So it really, it really surrounds you inside of that car, and uh, it's it's amazing. It's it's it's, uh, it's really well done. Of course, it's a fully uh, motion. Um, the actual motion sensors or motion actuators are attached to the uh, actual torsion bars that a sprint car would normally have that attach to the uh, to your uh, to your uh, from the torsion bar to your um, axles. So uh, it's it's very really cool to see, and uh, they show a video of it in full test. Um, you can you can actually you can't see what the person sees from uh, the front or the sides because he's completely encapsulated inside this clamshell design. But if you stand behind him and look through the uh, the bars of the seat, you can see what the, the driver is seeing, and uh, it's wow, it's fantastic. Wow, how now, cool is that hydraulic uh, monitor that kind of moves in and out? You have to crawl into this chassis, and then it closes in, and and boy, it, it really does look immersive when you're sitting in it. I wonder if those monitors are locked shut if the power goes out. Yeah, how do you get out, right? <laughs> the worst part, or the best thing, too, about this is he's kind of simulating VR, if you think about it, he's basically closing the whole world in on himself where he doesn't have anything on the outside that is, is distracting him. He's inside and and focusing forward, but he's just got the more of the advantage of having a triples and, and being actually in it. But when you're in VR, you actually feel like you're sitting in something. This is he's sitting in it and actually enjoying it immersed in the actual process. Like you're right, if something goes power functions you'd hope that he'd be able to push some those doors open uh, it's amazing that the pc fits right where the engine would be perfectly and doesn't get touched by all the the motion they, they have it like perfectly uh set in there uh and then the motion itself man i mean there's a lot of travel they it looks like the custom hydraulic is what it looks like somebody spent some money uh pretty cool what a race shop can uh, put together with so, with an old chassis um uh fascinating for sure I think we have time for one more rig review. Uh, Jack Dow Motorsports shows off their 3000 PSI hydraulic motion platform official NASCAR simulator. It was part of the racing league called Silicon Motor Speedway. And you, you guys have, might have seen this before if you've been to one of these uh, large arcades where they have chassis like this, um, where you could race you know, one of the NASCAR games. Uh, but they put motion on it and uh, made it pretty cool. More things to just have fun in, I guess, right? 
So this reminds me like the at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, they have a bunch of these uh, cars that kind of look like, you know, Jeff Gordon's 24 and it's got the paint job and it's got the window net and everything and you crawl in it. Um, they basically bought one of those and, and put it on some kind of custom motion thing and uh, run an iRacing in it. Pretty cool. So what's that? That's three curved monitors. What are those those 49 inch monitors? Yeah, that's an interesting choice of monitors, and they have them outside of the the car. Um, I don't know how that would look visually, but those are extra wide, aren't they? That's a little bit larger than the regular dimension. Yeah, and and um, like Greg was saying about the previous uh, sprint car build, where it's it's almost like VR because there's no surrounding uh, visuals other than the, the actual simulator running. This you would see uh, a ton of uh, surrounding. Um, uh, surroundment surroundings around you you know you'll you'll see uh, everything else that's in the room you know and you'd only be focusing on the monitors in front of you it's not quite a, nearly as immersive as the one we just did but you definitely get the feeling of getting into and behind the wheel of a stock car yeah absolutely and, and there's even a you know a good year rubber tire on it and everything i mean uh gets that look for sure all right and with that we're going to move on to uh results and talk about that of course we don't have nis we're off season so uh who wants to start here i guess i will well with actually, oh, how about you yeah David? there we go uh euro sprint series two wins at sebring two wins at imola or imola farming right <laughs> uh <laughs> that's how you farm. something something about imola just clicked uh, i didn't get the seven wins but i also went out of town you know, for family for most of the week, so I only ran half the week. Um, I really enjoy Sebring too. Um, I've had a lot of podiums at Watkins Glen, but have just always had somebody in the race that is two, one or two seconds faster than me per lap. Well, talking about something that clicks, I've been looking for something to run in the off season, and I've been having a hard time finding it. I finally think I might have found it with the Ferrari GT Challenge fixed at Oren Park. And I sat down for the first time in that track and uh, got a P5. Only had one off track too. Um, I think I was starting to pick up the, the, you know, learn that track a little bit. So I decided to go farming. Uh, got a P3 with only three X. Then I got a P8. Uh, the first turn I actually got dumped bad. I was dead last out of 19 and it quickly uh, moved back to eighth. I was loving it. So I ran it again. I got a P8 again was high as third, but spun off bad and rallied back to eighth. The next time, a P7, I was starting like sixth after my best queue ever. After the pace car ducked off, the leader slowed way down to almost nothing and then went and it stacked us up really bad. In fact, I actually protested him for that. Um, I went back and looked at the replay and he went down 20 mile an hour from like 45 to 25 after the pace car left and then he went and uh i'm pretty sure that was a successful uh protest the next time i ran p2 same pole sitter did the same thing but i was ready for it this time and uh p2 um so i was running them every hour that night so the next day i tried it again p7 started 13th after a box queue up to sixth on the first lap had issues with a car that would all but stop in those S's. And so I spun off uh, behind him, went back to 14th, rallied back to seventh, but 10X. Then I got a P10. It was a horrible race, spun off by myself three times, 
I was just starting to get cocky too. And I think I actually said out loud to the group I, I was farming, but that's kind of how iRacing is. Uh, if it was easy, nobody would do it. But uh, as soon as you get cocky, that bad luck and driving will bite you and you got to keep your ego in check. Uh, tried it again, P8, um, actually followed everybody off track in turn one, lap one, uh, put well back, but recovered well. Did run my fastest lap ever at that track so far in that race. And then P17, um, started P17, ended P9, and then another P9. And so I had a good time uh, at the Oran Park. And then I ran it the next week at Lime Rock and didn't do so well and parked it. Actually, all the I-rating I farmed at Oran Park, I lost at Lime Rock. So it didn't translate <laughs> to the next week. So I guess I'm back to square one on what to run. About the only other thing we had going on was a few league races. Uh, we never got to talk about it. Me and Greg ran MTech and us and as, as well as... Did we? Did we? A couple of weeks ago. Well, we, we ran <laughs> at it. Uh, the com competition oh, committee agrees with us that they regret choosing GT4s instead of GT3s in this mix because the pace difference is so ridiculous that it's just not safe it's not possible for the cars to be safe around each other really um but we had some gt4s that basically did the exact same thing as uh i've, I've been complaining about with the gte's and in, in the le mans races um we're passing one on the outside and he decides that that makes it too far hard for him to complete the lap with without lifting or losing a little bit of time so he just keeps coming right on over and wipes us out yeah greg you weren't very happy were you well the worst part of that whole thing was is david you started the race and i i think what did i i had the broadcast on and i was watching while you were doing it because i had just i had mentioned to you before the race that they were working on a power line outside my house so we were kind of nerving if they were going to actually cut the power or not but um the worst part of that whole race was there was only three gte's or GT4s left. There was 10 that started. Three of them, by the time I got in the car, were the only ones that were left. And I think there was only one on the lead lap um, because they were in wrecks with the uh, LMP. Uh, they're LMP2s in that, right? Yeah, it was the LMP2s. And the the speed difference, I think, was 40 seconds a lap. They lapped them every three laps. Yeah, and they, they the competition committee agreed that the, the the pace difference is too much, but they're kind of stuck with it for the season. So we got three more races. We'll 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 make of it what we can. Road Atlanta is next. Road Atlanta is going to be interesting because those S's are the really going to be slow in those GTE four cars, and that's where there's going to be some very impatient LMP2s. Well, and GTs. We're not going to want to just sit back there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And they'll be okay. you pass them on the outside, and they'll be like, "You took away my line." All right, I ran a fast track sim racing league a recruitment race they had um, a, a few days ago. It was the A car at Kansas. I got a P8. It was a full field, like 40 cars. Uh, I was running fourth on the white, but I killed the wall trying too hard. Uh, Alan Pajari wins. Uh, he was quick, quick. It was open set. Um, and I don't, I, he had a good set, obviously. 
But uh, Jeff Marble uh, runs that league with his son, Tyler. Uh, We've had them on the show before. Uh, They have a good league shaping up on Mondays. It's going to be the A-car open uh, sets and half distance. Um, We were talking, David, this might be a good uh, practice uh, league to run on Mondays before NIS, but um, Jeff indicated that um, they're going to be running, they're following the NASCAR schedule, but after the fact. So like when they run the real Daytona 500, then they'll run their Daytona the Monday night after. At that point, I'll already be working on the next week's set with more Right. I don't know if uh, Jeff wants to adjust that maybe, and maybe we'll jump in. If he uh, followed it where it was the week before, yeah, that would shape up real well for us. And then Winter League, let's talk about that. Uh, I ran uh, DNF at Daytona. I had a good run going, uh, even led some laps, uh, but I got a bit loose and spun on my own. And this is the Legends car. And this has always happened uh, to me at Daytona and the Legends. I I don't know what it is. When you get clean air on this car, uh, it just comes around. And and I can't get my handle on it at all. And um, I'm kind of embarrassed by that. And then we ran uh, the cup race, the regular cup cars at Texas, and I got a P22 out of 25. Uh, there were no cautions. I suck. I hit the wall a few times, actually. In that same race, I was P17. No cautions. Uh, I didn't have some pace. Tapped the wall just a little bit, which hurt the car on the long run. Probably would have been like P13 or P14 if I had not tapped the wall, but it was just there was no chance to kind of gather back up and and catch back up after that first run then uh we ran martinsville also we had the week off so we got two two races worth in uh p14 i kind of fluctuated between p5 and p14 depending on tire strategy and uh i'm gonna my new year's resolution in fact officially now is to never ever ever listen to mike ellis on tire strategy yeah, that did screw us up. Uh, I was calling the, I was crew chief, and for both of us, uh, as far as strategy, uh, I ended up uh, P18. I ran top 12 most of the race. I mean, we, we both qualified up there near the top 10, and we kept our track position pretty much through the first uh, good portion of that race. But at one point, you know, we'd been 40 laps on the tires. I said, hey, it's time to come in. Me and David pulled in, nobody else did really, and uh, that put us back, and we never really recovered from that. Uh, and it kind of went downhill for, for me after that. Um, but but still, even though I didn't have a good finish, um, I was happy with how I was running. You gotta remember the, the Winter League has a lot of heavy hitters in there. We had two Coke drivers, um, if three if you count Christian. Uh, they finished one, two, three, of course, up front. Um, and, and it's really hard. Normally I'm fighting, you know, for last place in this league, but to be running top 12, you know, top 10, uh, working my way forward a few times up to maybe six, um, I was happy with how I ran. Brian, so you were first place loser at uh, ARCA? Yeah, I was first loser, uh, P2, <laughs> at the OBR, OBRL ARCA series race at Kentucky. So actually started P2 and uh, and ended up there. And uh, man, what a great race. This, it was 120 laps. We had no cautions and not a single driver had a single incident point in the whole race. That's a, I don't think I've ever seen that before in any league or, or uh, 
obviously or, or regular race so that was a and uh and I, and I really enjoy Kentucky as well because um, as far as mile and a halfs go, the turn one and two are all completely different than turn three and four. And you don't usually see that in these mile and a half cookie cutter type tracks. So, uh, yeah, I had a, had a good run, um, qualified well. Um, the leader was uh, probably second and a half in front of me at the end of the race. And, uh, yeah, I was, he was just a little too fast for me to catch. But um, OBRL P2, I'll take it. Um, Chris Scales uh, was in the race with me. He finished, uh, I think he was in P4, so he was he did real well too. Well, he's been hot uh, recently in the OBRL. Chris has. My question to you, Brian, is you said there was no incidents by anybody? Not a single incident point throughout the entire field. Wow. I would like to see the, and this isn't just, it might be a total thing, but I'd like to see the amount of passes that were made in that race because if you got zero incidents through the whole field, you ain't. There's some people that aren't trying real hard. It just seems it's it's possible um, that that some people took it easy. Um, it was a 20, 22, 24 car field, so it wasn't like um, like just it was a halfway decent sized field. Um, but yeah, I, I can't tell you how many people were changed positions because I really did, really, really did check that out at the end of the race. Um, I know there was a couple close calls with uh, lap cars when uh, when I was coming through the field, but um, but yeah, I, I'd have to uh, I'd have to look at that and see how much how much dicing up there was in the back. And that, if, sorry, David. And if there wasn't, and I'm not trying to be, I'm just saying it just seems it seems very odd. But if that's the case, and the guys did that, that's a great job on everybody's part. But it just in my opinion, it just it it, it screams that it wasn't very competitive. Maybe I don't know. It just but seems odd, yeah, for sure. Well, that Lee's not trying to set up to be a, a broadcasted race. Their their number one goal is caution free races. They have what a nine x limit, and you have to penalize yourself if you cause a caution or you. They have they have an extreme uh, don't cause cautions policy, basically. I, and it know, works yeah. apparently. Right. And, good on and, that uh, for it. And uh, they also have the IPL limit, the incident per lap limit, where after four races, if you if you average a certain certain IPL, you know you get penalized for the upcoming race. So it's it it definitely <laughs> definitely incentivizes caution you know caution free racing, and uh, you know that's what they'll get sometimes like this. And I'm not discouraging it. I mean, if they run a great league over there, I just it just it just seemed odd to to hear that. Like I can understand like half the field or something there's only minimal incidents, but to have every single person in the field, it just it doesn't scream i racing to me. I don't know, or a league race. It definitely at some point. it definitely wasn't that MTech race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how about the aftermath truck series? Yeah, so the aftermath truck series. Uh, uh, Chris and I uh, also raced in that one. He got, uh, I think he was in the P9, and I think I finished P14. Um, and uh, this this is the one, like uh, like Greg was saying, where I didn't really push any any envelopes. You know, I played it very safe. Um, I, I expected to see some cautions in that race, and uh, there was one early, but that was it for the whole race. So by the time the uh, field kind of spaced out, um, it was really hard to make up a lot of time, and uh, that was a that was at uh, Michigan, by the way. So, um, yeah, it just seemed like it was gonna everybody's 
flat out for the first 10 to 15 laps till the tire wear off we figured that was going to play into some cautions and it it did one but uh, but uh, that was the only one of the race and uh so yeah i just played it cautious and wound up being a little too cautious and not not being able to work my way up towards the uh, towards the back half of the race okay then obrl uh, xfinity at poconos chris scales p7 tony rochette p10 good race just not fast enough he says and the last time we were in Yukura, uh, we had a race. I don't remember which track it was. It's been so Thompson. Long. Was it Thompson? Yeah. Um, it was really hard to pass there. You were broadcasting this one. Yep. Um, and I ended up P4. And I was one of the only cars that actually made a pass at this place. Yeah. It, I jumped into the broadcast with uh, um, the guy from Midwest Simulations. Um I'm so sorry, Scott Rupp, right? And uh, I had a great time trying to help, you know, broadcast this uh, event, but there wasn't any passing, and it wasn't because of the lack of trying or anything like that. Uh, it was just hard to pass, and everybody's pretty darn good. And you had to like really set up somebody to get around him. And David, you, you'd get underneath him a little bit, and then you just couldn't get the run, and you'd have to let the tires cool down and make it another run, but. Uh, yeah, it was fun to watch and uh, look forward to the next event. I'm having fun with the broadcast. Yeah, uh, it would take 10 or 15 laps to set up the pass because the, the outside line was really the preferred line. And when you'd get low, the car would just get loose. Uh, and I, I finally got one guy, I, even getting beside him on the straightaway, I finally had to tap him just a little into the next entry. To I, It was true, true tap, bump, and run. And it was it, it was just enough to make him miss the corner. He ne he never got sideways. Gridfinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Gridfinder. Gridfinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Brian McCubbin, what do you got? Well, um, so we're just talking about OBRL races and, uh, and uh, man, it's been so fun racing with uh, Chris Scales, talking to him during races. Um, you know, uh, we, we do a lot of racing together in um, official races, but with the splits and all, you're not always in the same races with your teammates. But uh, with league races, you know, you're always in the same 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 race, so you can talk to, with your teammate during the races quite a bit and uh, have a great time, share information. And, uh, and, and I, I know Chris is getting ready to change his uh, work schedule back to where he's not going to be able to do some of these OBRL stuff with me. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that when he's not around with me. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. I don't know about you guys. I'm running a lot of the road racing right now, but I'm starting to get that itch for some NIS to start back up. I hear you on that one. I double hear you. I'm kind of looking for something to run lately. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, I don't have much racing done this week. Uh, looks most of my stuff has <laughs> been podcast related. Getting the uh, um, stream up and going even more. I've worked a little bit harder or really hard on that this week and building some stuff. I'm still, what did David, David, we said in behind, we're calling it the beta as we go through it. This, here. this is the beta broadcast. 
beta kind of, broadcast to go along with the beta UI that Mike loves. <laughs> so Mike won't watch this broadcast then. <laughs> Anyways, no, uh, I look forward to uh, doing some racing this weekend and uh, get more racing in next week because I got to go back to work. But uh, um, yeah, I just I got a new laptop, so I've been able to do a lot of stuff away from my sim to build stuff, and it's a lot easier. Um, and Hopefully you guys like the broadcast once I get it completely going here. Um, definitely watch us every Thursday uh, at 6.45 on the, uh, if you guys can, just to let us know how the broadcast is going too. And uh, you can watch what we're looking at too, which is a nice thing. So I look forward to it. And I'm also building my stream back up so I can be back streaming here soon, hopefully in the next couple of weeks so that uh, I can stream the 24 hours of Daytona, the Rolex race. Okay, thank you. And then my final thought, uh, thank you to Isaac Gann, our Pro Series champion, for coming on, uh, talking, uh, getting to know him a little bit. And I think we'll continue that, just like we did last year. We'll start to uh, bring these rookie Coke drivers on that we haven't met before and uh, try to get to know them a little bit as we approach uh, the 2021 Coke Series. Uh, my thing, man, I'm just kind of jonesing for some racing and uh you know, I look at the schedule this week, and I was dismayed. You know, I thought, oh, the A-car, I'll, I'll do some A-car. Oh, they're at Watkins Glen. Oh. And then I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, I'll do my Ferrari GT Challenge. Oh, they're at Suzuka, and I don't own the track. You know, and it's just those kind of letdowns. And then I look for, hey, I want to run the big iRacing Super Speedway somewhere, and it's nowhere to be found inofficial at all. Um, you can find it and host it a little bit um, late at night, and I've done a few of those and some random hosted stuff, and that's kind of the way the off season goes. But uh, you know, like you guys said, man, I'm ready for the 500. I'm itching for a win there. I think I can do it. I got that confidence. Let's get it. And with that, we'll see you at the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.